So you've been using small groups as your discipleship model. You've been using small groups to run some sort of discipleship class, some sort of uh, discipleship uh, book. You, you've been trying to use small groups to supplement what we've done away with years ago in our Sunday school classes. Well, what I want to do today is I want to take the argument that I think Sunday school is, or that small groups is not a great replacement for Sunday school and not a great uh, model for discipleship. I'm going to take that argument that I did a few weeks ago, and I'm going to invite a guest in. Well, he's not really a guest because he's been here quite a bit, but I'm going to invite Pastor Matt in, and we are going to sit down and we're going to argue whether or not small groups are a great discipleship model. So the gloves are going to come on, the bell is going to ring, and we're going to see how this argument goes and where we end at the end of the day. So get ready because we're about to dive in. So the big question is this, how do pastors like us who remain focused on the mission of Jesus and serving our communities without being distracted by everything in the world around us, how do we increase our effectiveness while living a lifestyle that doesn't compromise our health, our families, or our personal relationships with Jesus? That's the question this podcast is going to answer. I'm Dr. Brandon Party Cooper, and welcome to the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Ministry Hackers Podcast. Hope you're doing wonderfully wherever you are and whatever it is you're doing. Our goal here is to help you live your dream life in ministry, whatever that looks like, whether it's uh, traveling around the world while you pastor a growing church, whether it's spending time with your family, your friends, whether it's having a hobby. At the end of the day, we want you to fulfill what God's called you to do, pastor a growing church, a growing ministry, but at the same time, live a life that's healthy, live a life that's fulfilling, and live a life that's an example to the world of what God can do through you in your obedience to him. So hope you're doing well. I hope you're on your way to living that dream life. I'm excited about today's episode. A few weeks ago, I did a an episode, episode 147, why I think small groups are not a great discipleship model. Well, I think I made a pretty good case. I think I presented some pretty good reasons. But today, we're going to bring in Pastor Matt, who's been our guest over the last few weeks. He's become a regular here on the show. Um, I'm going to invite him back because he has some thoughts, he has some ideas, and he wants to go toe-to-toe with me, and we're going to argue whether or not small groups really are a great discipleship model or whether I'm just blowing smoke and I'm delusional. So why don't you welcome Pastor Matt into the episode. Welcome, Matt. Hello, everybody. Thank you for having me on. I'm very excited to uh, convince you that you're wrong. Like, that's (laughs) one of my favorite things to do, and so... Yeah, great well, you're, way. Still, you're still trying to convince me I'm wrong. I don't think you've actually. I'm working on it. So I mean, I'm working on it. One of these days. One of these days. <laughs> so this might be history making right here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right down the date. <laughs> okay, so a few weeks ago, I did an episode 147. Why I think small groups are not a great discipleship model. I laid out three what I would consider uh, pretty convincing reasons, and it's just three, not not all of my reasons, but just three. However, you've been in ministry for a long time. You've done lots of different models of ministry, whether it's youth ministry or whether it's adult ministry. You've done lots of different elements. You currently are over small groups and in kind of that world. And so so you have some thoughts that are maybe counter to what I have uh, maybe said or what I think. And so what I want to do is I want to start off by just giving you the floor. And I want you to explain uh, why you think small groups are a viable model for discipleship. So I'm going to turn it over to you, and we'll get the show started. 
All right. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. But small groups are the best. Small groups are the way of making the big small. Uh, one of the things that I always love to talk about in our small groups and even with our small group leaders is that a lot of times on uh, Sunday mornings, uh, for us at least, our small group curriculum is based off of Sunday mornings. So it's a little bit deeper of a dive into whatever we talked about on Sunday. And I always make the comparison, you know, you might be hearing something from the communicator, the pastor that day, and you want to raise your hand and be like, well, what do you mean by that? Or, well, what about in this case? But you can't do that in Sunday. People would look at you funny. It would be very awkward. But in a small group, you're able to do that. In a small group, you're able to have those conversations with people that you are living life alongside, and you are able to dive deeper into what God is kind of working in your life. So, I mean, there are always going to be flaws with any system that we have. Um, but at the same time, I truly believe that small groups is the best course of discipleship kind of the best tool in our toolbox that we have to be able to make disciples, to get people from, you know, the idea of rows to circles, the idea of taking this big idea of people just coming into church, absorbing information and then leaving. But then how do they digest that information? How do they process that information? And I think that small groups, meeting in people's homes and having relationship with people where you can be vulnerable and talk is a great way to do that. Like I said, it's not perfect, but I think that it's probably the best way that we have. But yeah, and I think I would I would agree with that. Like I I will tip my hat to that because I think you're right. I think that, you know, when we when we made the decision over the last whatever two decades, when we made it, we made the decision to move away from Sunday school. I still think that's the right answer. And I know there are some churches out there still doing Sunday school well. Um, some are hanging on to it and it's not going well. But I think that for the most part we moving as churches, as we moved away from Sunday school, I think that was the right answer because in most churches, Sunday school was not an effective ministry. However, I think that small groups, yes, is probably the best tool in our tool belt, but I think it's because our tool belt's very thin. We don't have a lot of tools to work with. And mm -hmm. I think that that's really kind of what I'm pushing towards is we're at a time where we need to figure that out. And, and again, anybody who has listened to the podcast or, or read any of the articles know that my push right now is I believe the next phase of discipleship is moving into more of an online model where, um, where you're doing the, uh, the information trans, uh, transmission to, from you know, teacher to student. When that, that part is happening online, discussion and gathering is happening in what may dare say a small group. But it's systematic and it's it's planned and it's a little more um, a little more developed than just a small group. So I would agree that you know that tool as far as the best tool out there right now. Yes, I think that's true, but I also think that small groups because they are designed for relationships. I'm not sure that they can be effective for discipleship just at the very core of their design. Now my question with that too is. Uh, I mean, we've had discussions about this too. So is your thought process not necessarily like that we should do away with small groups, but if we're using small groups as this tool of discipleship, so, you know, there are positives with small groups, whether that's community, whether that's relationship, all that sort of stuff. You're just saying that when people slap on, how are you discipling people? Well, we send them to small groups and then say, now we have disciples and now we are making disciples and discipling. 
that that's just not enough, that that's not effective? Is that kind of like the thought process? Yeah. Yeah. I think that in order to have effective discipleship, I think you have to have some sort of some sort of process. You have to move people through this, you know, even when we look at scripture and I, and I know that we have, you know, we look at the gospels and we look at Jesus, we look at his disciples. What we see is what to us probably seems like a very organic, very unplanned, very natural process. Jesus is walking along doing ministry and he's just kind of picking from the tree, these nuggets of truth and, giving all the wisdom and, and words of insight and, and teaching about, you know, God and, and the kingdom of heaven. It, it feels very natural. It feels very organic. It feels like the whole, you know, take someone with you, like that whole idea. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if, if we step back a little bit further, a couple layers back, we understand that Jesus and the disciples also grow, grew up. They're very familiar with the systematic training and development of what a disciple is. They're both in the Jewish community. They have a whole history that they're familiar with. They both, Jesus and disciples, understand what this looks like from a systematic, planned, intentional, you know, ideal way. And so even though from our perspective, it looks very organic, there's really a intentionality and a systematic process going through. Even at the point where Jesus sends them out, he's gone through kind of you know, discipleship 101. And now he's like, okay, here's your first test. We're going to send you out and see how you do. That's intentional. There's a very intentional process going on. And I think with small groups, we don't have that. You know, maybe we have, uh, you know, maybe we have a book that we're going through, or maybe we have somebody who really can disciple go, you know, through. But I think part of the problem is, is even if it's a, even if there's a systematic element to small groups, commitment level to small groups is low. And so you mm-hmm. don't get people going through committed to a small group because in their mind, oh, this is a small group. And so I just think there's a systematic breakdown Yeah, that small groups have a place. Absolutely. I don't think we do away with small groups. But I think if we're saying, hey, our discipleship model is small groups, I think it's contributing to the biblical illiteracy problem that we're having across Christian churches. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good you know, point to make is I think that, you know, it's sort of like we're sending someone to college without ever going to elementary, middle school, high school kind of a thing. Uh, I think that, yeah, we often do forget that, you know, whether it was Jewish culture or becoming a rabbi or whatever uh, training they were going through, that there was a systematic approach to get people to where they were. Um, And I think that, yeah, small groups oftentimes does falter on that. I think because, like you said, commitment level is typically low in small groups because we lean so heavy on the relational side. But at the same time, uh, I guess my thought process is, so you were talking about doing like an online sort of a thing. So are you seeing this almost as two different spheres that uh, you almost have, for lack of a better term, let's just call it online Sunday school, Mm -hmm. um, where maybe it's not happening on Sunday, but you have like a you know, level one, level two, level three, kind of a progression that people are working towards. And then you also have small groups where people can just socialize and maybe kind of do some surface level kind of, hey, what do you think about the message? Or, hey, let's go through a book together, that sort of thing. But that's separate from 
the step one, step two, step three sort of thing. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the way I imagine it, because I think that, you know, you so let's say you create a Sunday class, you know, and you don't call it Sunday school. It's just a class that happens, you know, in the off service. You have first service and then you have second service and you have this class going on during one of them. Well, that's just a, a redesigned Sunday school. Or even if you have a class on Sunday night or a class on Wednesday, like the problem is, and the reason Sunday school stopped working is because people are just busy and we can argue, mm-hmm. you know, whether or not they make, you know, time for church or not, like we can have that argument. But at the end of the day, as church leaders, as pastors, ministry leaders, what we have to do is we have to create systems that work for people to move them into a deeper level of spiritual growth to where they say, you know what, I don't care what my business looks like. I'm going to make church a priority. Mm-hmm. On the front end, without discipleship, that usually doesn't happen. So what I think needs to happen is instead of creating this very time-oriented process that people have to go through, people consume content all week long, constantly. I mean, you know, people go to bed at 10.30 and they're on their phone till 12 just watching videos and whatever. Mm -hmm. And so what I think, you move the... The information transfer that that you know that talking head style of discipleship, where the person's up there and they're teaching the class. Let's take that out of the classroom, put it onto an online platform. Let people go through that part on their own when it's convenient for them. Make it engaging. Make it something that they're wanting to engage with. Make the video short, whatever. But then you move them into a discussion setup, a small group feel. Um, environment where, you know, maybe that's every other week, maybe it's once a month, but they come together and then the conversation is had. Questions are asked. Hey, I didn't really understand this. Hey, what was, what did this really mean? Or, Hey, I see this, but what about this thing over here? Those conversations are a lot more fruitful with the video, you know, discipleship piece, information transfer in the background. They come into that room with questions and ideas and if they miss that, so let's say they don't come for the discussion part, that's fine. They, they're going to miss out on a piece of that. But at mm-hmm. least they're going through the discipleship information transfer portion of the process. And so you're at least moving them through with, you know, understanding, you know, biblical stories and understanding the, you know, basic theology and those types of things. You're creating that in them, whether they come to the discussion or not. So... Do you have any worries, though, about, like, the relational glue that I kind of feel might be missing in that? Um, now, and the answer might be no. The, the answer might be, well, the goal is for them to be, you know, we're combating, like you were kind of saying, biblical literacy. And that's sort of the problem that we're trying to solve, right. that people genuinely know what it is to be a follower of Christ. They know scripture. Um, and so, you know, they can go and get community and they can get relationship in a small group or in a different thing. But, you know, the problem we're trying to solve right now is discipleship. And so that's not as big of a thing. Because my thought process is, like, are are people going to want to consume that information or attend that class if they kind of feel like they're doing it alone? Mm -hmm. Uh, Are they going to have that self-drive? Which maybe they do, but I I think that would be, um, you know, that would be one of my worries is I feel like some, one of the pros of small groups is almost kind of a bait and switch that, Hey, you know, you're coming for it. You're coming for the food. You're coming so that your kids have other kids to play with and that you have people that you can connect with and relate with and, you know, be at someone's home and all that sort of stuff. And then also while you're here, 
let's learn a little bit more of how to be like Jesus. And so I, my worry is that if we take, if we don't use small groups as that discipleship sort of like on ramp or uh, that discipleship vein is that people will say, well, I don't, I don't want to just learn information. Right. Um, and so, so that would be my kind of pro small group approach is that may, if maybe there's a blending of this or, um, that's a definite win for small groups in my mind is the fact that that relational stickiness, uh, makes it more likely that someone's going to participate, engage versus if it is something that is strictly informational, even though I do believe that that informational stuff is very lacking and we need it. Um, I guess, how would you deal with that tension if you're going to kind of eliminate that relational stickiness? Yeah. And again, this goes back for me, it goes back to the idea that, that small groups are designed for relationships first. And so, and you and I both know, we've been to enough small groups, especially when you have a good small group, a really good close relationship group, what usually falls by the wayside? Is it the relational time or is it the teaching discussion conversation time? Usually because small groups are designed for relationships, it's usually if the relational conversations are going and people are enjoying hanging out, usually we just kind of let that go and, and the teaching gets shorter and shorter. And I know for me, like most of the small groups that I've been a part of, and they've been basketball, small groups, things like that. But usually the spiritual discipleship element is almost non-existent. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm okay with that because I think that's what small groups should be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also why you don't want to create a discipleship system where they're meeting every Sunday or every Wednesday or whatever. They're meeting every week to get information transferred, to get the talking head, because people's time is very valuable and they don't have a lot of it. So in my mm -hmm. mind, consume the content on your own free time. Meet once a month to move forward in your discipleship experience. Be a part of a small group so you're getting that relational connection to the church as a whole. And if you're doing a good job of managing this discipleship experience, the people going through it are connecting with the other people in it. And so even when they walk into that once a month meeting and have that conversation, maybe there's a couple faces in the room that they're not familiar with or maybe are new to the discipleship experience they haven't really met with. But for the most part, everybody's going through it together. And, and I also think it can't be just, you know, here's five videos, you watch them in a week, you come into the conversation and you're done. That's, I think part of the process problem is that the process of discipleship is too short. And so we're not taking people in, in depth. We're not taking them deeper, you know, than just simply, you know, Christianity 101, you have, here's your, you know, five pillars of what it looks like to be a Christian. You know, here's your certificate. Now be on your mm -hmm. way to be a part of small groups. You know, I think that it needs to be longer and, you know, to really disciple. I mean, honestly, Jesus took three years to disciple his disciples. Now, mm -hmm. I'm not saying you take three years, but I think. We could easily take three years. We could easily be yeah. moving people through different levels of discipleship over a long period of time. And I think as long as it's engaging, people will be connected with the people they're in it with and quite honestly will encourage them. I know for me, you know, there have been a couple small group or small group discipleship experiences that I've oversaw and taught. And I'm thinking of one class in particular. They started at level one and and they moved on to level two and they could drop out at any point. But this particular group, they were so tied together and they were so in it together that there were a couple of people who were like, you know, we got to level three and they were like, I just don't, I don't think I want to keep doing this. I'm not really sure I can keep doing it. 
And the group was like, man, don't quit now. Like, stay with us. Let's work it together. Let's keep going. And that group, for two guys in particular, it was the group that got them through. Those two mm-hmm. guys would have never made it had the group not rallied around them and carried them through. And so yeah. so I think that if, if it's designed well, you can definitely build in a relational element. I just think that as, as pastors and ministry leaders, we have to remember that the discipleship is the focus. Relationship can be a byproduct, but discipleship and moving people through the process and exposing them to the necessary information, that has to be the focus. So when we're talking specifically about discipleship, is there a worry in your mind that like there is a completion level to it? Um, I know one positive about small group is ideally like, like because of the relational stickiness or whatever you want to call it, that like, this is sort of like your kids grow together and you grow together and you create these bonds, which means you continue to come, you continue to learn that sort of thing. So is there a worry in the discipleship process that like, let's say I'm just throwing numbers out here. Let's say it's a five level thing. Um, if you're flying through it, you can do one of them a month that someone who's determined and want, like is watching the videos, attending every time they don't miss a single time they're done in six months. Yeah. Uh, and then like, you know, they get their, you know, golden star. I am a disciple. And then they're done though. Uh, I guess, is there a worry? Cause I think one of the things, whether we admit it or not at churches, we like numbers, we like people staying connected, all that sort of stuff. And so is there a worry that unlike small groups where you can, there's never a reason not to be in a small group, whether you're 20 right. or you're 80, everyone can be in a small group versus this. There is a definite timeline. Even if, if it takes you five months or if it takes you five years, at some point you're going to end with the curriculum or that sort of process. And then it's like, okay, I am now a disciple and I'm good to go. Um, I guess, how would you counteract that with the small group of there's continually always something just the same as Sundays. Like there's always another Sunday, there's always another small group. But with this, since there is a, you know, packaged get together Mm -hmm. sort of thing, how would you counteract that for pastors who are saying, well, I can always point someone to small group. Like they're never going to come up to me and say, well, I already did that. And Mm -hmm. so now what do I do? Right. Um, You know, I think yes and no. That's not a great answer. I know, but (laughs) because the way I look at it is yes, you're right. So let's say, let's just go with five levels and let's say it takes you a year to get through each level. Again, in my mind, they're a part of small groups still as well. They're not Mm -hmm. isolated to the discipleship experience. Now they could be, but I think that even going through discipleship, the discipleship experience, they are going to feel this draw to be a part of small groups, especially if you have created an engaging atmosphere at church. I know like for us, the church that we attend, there's always some great things going on. And so for us, it's like, you know, we are a part of this discipleship experience. We're going through this leadership training, whatever, but we still want to be a part of these small groups that are doing all these fun things and connecting and whatever. They're creating community. So we want both. We're, we're a part of both of those. Mm-hmm. And I think that there has to be, not only does there have to be an end point, but there, I think there also has to be breaks in between. So let's say you go through level mm-hmm. one and now you have to wait six months to then go to level two. And, and it's not because you need a break. It's because you need to apply what you just learned. You need mm-hmm. to, to make that a part of your lifestyle. You need it because again, we're not the goal. And, and I know you're right. As church leaders, we get mesmerized by numbers, but I think our, 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 our desire to grow numbers is what's failed us to grow people. 
We're so mm-hmm. focused on getting bodies that we're not really developing people in discipleship. And I think mm-hmm. that numbers, I mean, you know me, I'm a data guy. Like I will collect data on every possible thing we can to see where we are. But at the same time, that can't be what drives our decisions. Yeah. Deeper disciples have to draw our, our, our decisions. And so, you know, so yes, does that mean eventually they come out of the process? Sure, it does. But I would hope that through the course of going through the discipleship process, they are connecting in small groups and other elements. And so there's, you know, so when they come to a completion point, it's a celebration like, man alive, you've done this. Like you've gone through this whole process. Great job. You know, you know, obviously you haven't arrived because none of us ever do, but we're so excited. And now there's the next thing. There's leadership or there's volunteer training or there's, you know, maybe it's, you know, moving towards being on the board, whatever that next step is. And, you know, here with Ministry Hackers, we have a whole process to go through eight different levels of experiences at church. But I think that there's always something next. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think once you have that strong discipleship foundation, that Christian foundation, that you understand the Bible, you understand the stories that you should, you understand the theology. Once that's created, now I'm not just... Discipleship isn't just about what I'm getting. Discipleship mm-hmm. now becomes what I'm giving, whether it's a, as a volunteer or as a leader. That's the next phase. And that's even, you know, even what we see with Jesus getting to the point where he sends out, you know, the disciples, he says, now go in, in pairs of two and go do this thing because you've not, you've reached a point where you're not just getting. Now you have to learn how to give. You have to learn how to serve. You have to learn how to train others to do the same. And I think at church, in our churches, we don't do that really well. We get yeah. people to volunteer really well. Well, really well is mm. very <laughs> but, but that's what we're good at moving people into the volunteerism. But I don't think we're really good at moving people into disciple making. And I think that's the next phase. And I think that's also what's contributed to too many Christians, too many churchgoers, too many people who sit in the pew Sunday after Sunday and really don't get deeper and grow in their relationship with Jesus because we haven't taught them how to be disciple makers. We've just taught Mm -hmm. them how to sit in class and learn information and be relational, but haven't taught them how to take those two things and put them together. Yeah. So another counterpoint is, I don't want to say that they're easy, but small groups seem like they'd be easier than what you're recommending. And so if I'm a pastor listening to this idea, Mm -hmm. even if I want disciples, because I do think that, like, I think if you give me 10 sold out followers of Christ over 100 church attenders, I'm going to make a bigger impact in my community. I'm going to do like, no, I mean, so I, I get that when you're like, it's not just necessarily about, you know, Hey, can we get everyone plugged into something? Right. But at the same time, like how one of the easiest things for small groups, one of the great wins of small group is it's the same thing as a Sunday. You can always invite somebody to a Sunday because there's going to be a Sunday. Like I don't need to think, Oh, are we having church on Sunday? Like there's always a Sunday. And so same thing with small group, like, okay, where do you live or whatever, however you do small groups, whether they're interest-based or, uh, you know, stage of life or location-based, whatever you do small groups as, there's always kind of an on-ramp that you can just say, okay, well, just go to this house or do this thing or whatever. Um, Is there, what would you say to somebody who is a pastor and would say, okay, well, does that mean I need to have like a level one instructor, a level two instructor? What if somebody like, joins but we just had the level one class and like know what i mean so Mm -hmm. i guess 
once again, I'm not saying that we should always lean towards, well, it's easier to do it this way, right. but I, but how would you, I guess, say the value is higher to kind of counteract the extra work or the extra input or building that's going to take versus, hey, here's a small group in your area. Just go to that small group. Right. Yeah. And I, I feel this 100%. You know, so as an executive pastor for uh, six years, I think it was year two that I I developed um, a seven-week uh, discipleship experience. And it was kind of first steps class. We went through, you know, the whole thing in seven weeks, week after week after week. Well, I loved the content. I wrote the content. I designed the whole thing. I loved it. But quite honestly, by like year three, doing seven-week cycles over and over and over and over again, like I just got tired of teaching it. It was mm-hmm. just exhausting to teach because every week it was like, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? Oh, we reached level, you know, we reached week seven. Great. We're going to take one week off. We'll come right back. We'll start week one. We're going to do the whole thing over again. And mm-hmm. it was great for those going through it. But for me as a teacher, it was tiring because it was just yeah. the same thing over and over again. I think sometimes we, as pastors and ministry leaders, we forget to create systems that work for us. And I think that's where the online piece becomes so valuable because I know for Mm -hmm. me as a pastor, if I can sit down and I can, you know, let's say level one is 10 videos and that's a lot, but it doesn't have, you know, whatever it's 10 videos. I sit down over the course of a couple months and I shoot those 10 videos. I get the content ready. I shoot the videos prepared, done. It takes me two months to do. Well, you know what? I never have to do that again. It's not like the is going through major changes in five years. It's not like the biblical stories are going to go through any changes. Like I can shoot those videos and use them till I'm 80 if I want. That work is done and packaged and ready to go. And I can do that for every single level, every single thing that I'm wanting to do in the discipleship experience. I can do it once and be done with it. And so, yes, I think small groups are easier. But quite honestly, for me, if I have a meeting once a month where I get to walk in the room and I get to sit down with all the people going through discipleship and I get to ask the question, so what have you learned over this last month in your discipleship experience? And all I do from that point on is facilitate conversation and field questions. Mm-hmm. That's super easy for me. I would much rather do that than come and teach a class week after week after week. And so, so yes, I think it is easier. It seems easier to do small groups, to just send people there. Now, what I would also say is that small groups. So if you have somebody that come in, comes into the church, they're brand new to church. They've never been to church before. They come into church, most likely, if you have a great culture in your church, most likely what's going to happen is, is either that person is going to say, you know, hey, how do I get connected here? You know, you know, and somebody's going to say, oh, small groups, or somebody's just going to meet them and say, hey, I'd love for you to, you know, come and check out my small group. That's going to happen naturally. Mm-hmm. Most people, new, new believers, unchurched people, or even a lot of unblurred or or um, veteran believers who are just coming to your church new, most of them are going to say, hey, where's your discipleship class? I want to be a part of that. So if every Sunday morning that's the thing you're pushing, hey, if you're mm-hmm. new here, if you're brand new here at you know ABC Church, we would love for you to step into our first steps, you know, discipleship class or whatever you want to call it, and to learn about who we are, you know, what exactly you're getting into by attending and how we can serve you. Man, I think that when you're pushing that every week, even if it's just a quick blurb every week, but it, it, you're communicating that this is important. Your discipleship is important to us here at ABC Church, and we want to make sure we get you off on the right foot. People yeah. are going to naturally find small groups. 
what you're promoting should be more your discipleship classes. And mm-hmm. there are ways to make that whole process a lot easier. Is it hard? Is, is there some work on the front end? Sure. But once it's done, it's done. You don't have to go back and do it again. That's a really good point. Yeah, because I think that, um, yeah, and I think that's a really good selling point for pastors because I'm I'm picturing, you know, I, I know there are people who listen to this podcast that are like, hey, that's great for the church of, you know, 2,000 people with 50 staff members and 300 right. volunteers. But, like, it's me, my wife, and that one guy who, like, volunteers and He's not that great of a volunteer. (laughs) And so like, so yeah, that really does make sense. Like the fact that, yeah, there's work on the front end, but like once it's done, it's done. And so I think that that is really encouraging to pastors who might be thinking about doing this switch and not the whole, okay, let's throw out small groups all like entirely. But when we're saying, how are you discipling people? Like, don't just say we send them to someone's house and then they talk. Right. Um, but yeah, okay. That makes sense. Uh, I think that, I mean, you make some good points, you make some good points, but, and I think that, you know, coming into this conversation, I think a good clarifying thing with some tension when you say, Hey, I don't think that small groups are a good way of discipling. I think that, you know, that's naturally aggravating for people. Cause like, yeah, you know, some I'm people aggravated. listening might be <laughs> exactly. You sometimes <laughs> just like to rub people the wrong way just because, uh, but I think because some people are thinking like, well, I'm a small groups pastor or I've seen such great life change in small groups or, you know, I have some, I could tell you a million stories of how small groups have changed people's lives, all that sort of stuff. Um, And that's one thing in ministry that I've really um, kind of had to adapt to is at 242, we call it, uh, you know, killing the golden calf. The idea of something has worked really well and um, just because something has worked well or might appear to be working well because numerically people are showing up to it. Is it doing what we want it to do? And so I think that coming out of this conversation, this could be a really good challenge for people who even are small group pastors where, okay, like if, if we are saying that small groups are making disciples, are they really doing that? Mm -hmm. Or is that sort of like just sort of the funnel, you know, in the org chart, when we have the discipleship tile, like, are we just saying, okay, it fits better in small groups than it does on Sunday mornings, so let's put it under there. Yeah. Or are we – and then I think this could also be really good for small groups because then maybe that is a meaty – like something that's almost weighing down small groups, like where maybe small groups should just be the more relational, connectional, yeah, I think so. uh, living life alongside of people. Because I know like one of the jokes in our small group is like we do the icebreaker 45 minutes in. Right. Because we're just spending so much time like, hey, like, how's your kid? How is that work thing? How's your mom doing? Is she doing better? So much of those conversations are happening that by the time that we get to the spiritual meat of the lesson. Right. Then, like, it's sort of like the footnote. And so, so yeah. So I think this could also be encouraging for people who are passionate about small groups that maybe this could even be a refining of, hey, let's do small groups better and what do we really want small groups to accomplish? Yeah. And if it is discipleship, okay, let's maybe lean into that a little bit more. But if it's not, then, hey, we can lean into the relational side and then because we know they're doing the discipleship somewhere else. Yeah, definitely. Well, and I think that especially for if you're if you are a small group pastor or let's say you're a lead pastor and you're trying to navigate a transition to what we're talking about, I think you can put it under the guise of small groups. Hey, we have a one once a month small group 
that's mm-hmm. going deep into scripture and you know associated with that are these videos this video series that you go through and you can you know you don't have to make it a discipleship class you know i think that's part of it is we have to think how do we make it more palatable and more uh inviting for people to get into i think at the end of the day our job our number one job is to go and make disciples and mm-hmm. i think that what we've learned over the last three or four years is that we are not doing a great job of that and i think that like yeah. I said at the beginning we're using the best tools that we can and i think that's a huge red flag that okay the the best tools that we can use right now are not working so we need mm-hmm. to figure out a new tool or a new approach or a new way of doing it and I think that everything is moving online. People are getting busier and busier. And so in order to kind of, you know, massage those two issues, I think that some sort of online discipleship experience with a live element uh, kind of ticks all the boxes and, and, and does what we need it to do. So, well, Matt, I appreciate the counterpoints. I appreciate you kind of sticking in there with me. And, and yeah, you know, fun. at the end of the day, I think you, you you've helped me understand that, you know, even though I've, I've known that small groups are valuable, I think my push against small groups has become so strong because of my desire for discipleship to get better. I think you've helped me understand like small groups and discipleship can coexist with each other. It's just that we have to focus, we have to find a way to focus discipleship a little bit stronger and, and create a, create a tool that works for discipleship a little bit better than what we have, but still Mm -hmm. valuing what small groups bring. Because at the same time, you know, whatever, the last decade or so, small groups has been kind of the go-to thing that's really helped churches grow and develop and, and for some churches save them um, as mm-hmm. they away from Sunday school. So, so I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been fun. It's always good to argue with you. Yeah. Good points, counterpoints. I love yeah, it. We'll have to find something else to argue about in the future. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we'll find something. <laughs> All right. Well, Matt, you have to go. Thank you so much for being here. And so at this point, we will say, see you later. <laughs> All right. Bye. All right. And for us, as we come to a close, as we shut things down in this episode, thank you so much for being here. I hope this was an, a helpful conversation. Um, and even though we're having a little fun with the argument piece, I think that it's a conversation that you need to continue to have, uh, you know, take it to prayer, spend time with God about it, spend some time with your staff, maybe your board, but, but figure out how you can switch up what you're doing, how you can change the model, how you can change the delivery whatever it is that you can do uh, to make discipleship f- you know, at the f- forefront of what you're doing in ministry. Make it first and foremost and really help your people, your congregation, go deeper in their relationship with Jesus. And you know, it's one of the things that we are very passionate about here at Ministry Hackers. One of the things that we work on is helping churches to um, navigate those waters, how to create the systems, how to create the online experiences, and to integrate that with their websites and, and all of that. And so um, so there's ways to, to do it, and we would be happy to help if that's something you're interested in doing. So um, so thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for joining us week after week. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day, and we'll see you in the next episode.